0: parties and other amazing events visit milu dot ucom this podcast is also brought to you by photographers edit custom image editing for the professional photographer visit photographers edit.com all right welcome podcast listeners we are back for another episode I'm, I'm feeling a little bit refreshed here i'm just coming off a of vacation and i'm joined today by matt baron thanks matt for making time to hang out for a bit
1: my absolute pleasure
0: and uh, i was i was complimenting you on the quality of of your audio you said you're actually in a recording studio is that right
1: i am i've been collecting audio gear for many years i'm a musician as a hobby quickly learned that wasn't going to be a good income career so (laughs) kept it as a hobby
0: fair enough fair enough yeah i think we've had the opportunity to jump on video conference a couple of times. And uh, at least one of those instances, I noticed you had a number of guitars in the background, I think.
1: Always too many, according to my wife. Yes. Oh, really? Okay.
0: You know, <laughs> I, I actually had the chance to, I, I mentioned, I just got back from vacation. I was in uh, Colorado. We stayed for a few nights, myself and my girlfriend, in uh, just outside of Aspen. And got to hear John Mayer live and then Sting as well. And Sting was playing the majority of his concert with a bass, I think it's a five string bass. And, and it looked like he'd been playing the same bass since his career started. The thing was so worn down, and like there's this almost divot um, right where he would be putting his hand to, to, to pluck the strings. But is that, do you have a guitar that you've held on to for a long time that's kind of your, your prized possession?
1: I do, actually. I have my first Fender Stratocaster. It's a Japanese Strat that I actually traded in college to uh, an older fellow that supposedly did acid testing for Dennis Leary back in the day.
0: (laughs) It's a little bit of a backstory then, too. A little history there.
1: Yeah, so that's one that I'll never get rid of. (laughs) I still play it out, so.
0: That's that's really really cool. I I've, I have a bit of background in music myself. My my son is um, actually getting ready to go to school to study jazz saxophone. My daughter plays flute. Uh, I grew up in a family of musicians. Uh, it's very much a it's a big big part of my life. And I still have my clarinet. Uh, I played up into college and had a minor in clarinet performance in, in college uh, for a bit. And I, I still have this clarinet that my parents bought me when I was a kid, and it was a clarinet that they had purchased from one of my teachers who had purchased it from somebody who'd played in the Melbourne Symphony in Australia. And, and that, so the clarinet has kind of a patina and some character to it, and that the tone from it is absolutely beautiful. I know clarinets kind of have this kind of stereotype, I think, you know, the fifth grade band instrument that everybody's squeaking through as they're trying to play. It's actually a really beautiful instrument, and but I've I've held on to that. I don't know that I'll ever really give it up. But on, on that point, uh, you know, there's there is something about developing a business, sometimes uh, it's easy to put together a brand position or a brand, which becomes very, uh, I, I guess we hold it close to our hearts. It's our baby. And, and yet, there may be a possibility, and we've talked about this quite a bit on the podcast, that, that that brand that we've created may not be quite distinct enough to set ourselves apart from the so-called competition. And so it's important to understand how we are different from those around us in order to create a, a successful brand. Uh, I want to start out by giving you the opportunity to share what your business's brand position. is, and, an, and I'll add this little caveat too. Matt is not an active photographer. Matt actually is getting ready to, to launch a business, which he's going to tell us about. But with that, Matt, will you share the brand position of this business you're about to launch?
1: Sure, absolutely. But I am an active photographer and videographer. It's just not full time. It's not my every day. Oh, OK.
0: It's- well, I, I, thanks for the correction. And I apologize for the, uh, the the miscommunication there. Talk to me, though, about this this new brand that you're creating, because you're actually getting into, in fact, you and I had the chance to, to chat about this you're getting into a space that that is not necessarily crowded, but there are some big players in the game. How are you going to set yourself apart?
1: Absolutely. So the company is gear focus. And the differentiating factor of gear focus is we identified a problem as photographers and videographers, I buy and sell gear all the time. All of my photographer and videographer friends buy and sell gear all the time, people are constantly changing, whether it's uh you know, brands of a camera or their needs change and their niche within the industry changes. And there is a real need for a better solution to buy and sell gear because right now it is so fractured and scattered with all the different avenues that you have to buy and sell gear, whether it's eBay or Facebook Marketplace or the thousands of groups on marketplace, Craigslist, and then you have the businesses, which actually are buying your gear at pawn shop rates. And we have found that there's just too many avenues. I spoke to a good friend of mine who's a videographer when I first told him about gear focus. And he said, why wasn't this live last week? Because I did a shoot where I I was going to do a shoot. Where I needed a bunch of gear and knew I was going to sell it afterwards, and it's and I spent all day going to all these different <laughs> avenues and listing this gear and try or trying to find the gear that I wanted, and it just was so time consuming for him. So Gear Focus, you know, it was going to be an online marketplace for photographers and videographers and to buy and sell gear at the lowest fees anywhere that we have found of only three and a half percent so that people get that true top dollar for their gear because a lot of this gear people are switching so fast some of their gear is nearly brand new yeah and they're losing 30 you know 20 30 50 percent value on this gear and our goal and my goal, and this is what I'm really passionate about. That our goal is to save these photographers and videographers both time and money to feed their passion.
0: Interesting. Okay, so this is, and and I'm curious. Price is an interesting position to run on. I mean, it's a tough position to run on, for that matter. Uh, sure. If if you know somebody is willing to charge as little as you know X then somebody else is going to come in and potentially undercut them just to get that, that better number on the website. And, and maybe they end up making more because they're able to do more volume at that lower price point. How is that something that you've considered? Because I know a lot of photographers, I mean, plenty of photographers are kind of going the, the mid to high end route with their wedding photography, for example, or maybe even portrait photography, rather sure. than going the, the cheaper kind of higher volume approach but what was what was the conversation you had internally when you were considering the, the potential challenge of running on that? I'm calling it lower price point. I know we're talking about seller fees, but ultimately we're talking about a price point of sorts. What's the internal dialogue?
1: We wanted to come up with a rate that was the most competitive in the industry, but we also realized that we're bringing a lot of value, added value to that low percentage because this is being created by photographers and videographers who know this gear. So it's a centralized platform that's also, that's been created by photographers and videographers. And it's going to be monitored by photographers and videographers at the same time. Usually you only get that when you're giving up 50%, 30, 50% value on your equipment. You know, the big corporations who are basically quoting your gear and then you're mailing it to them. And then they're reviewing it, and then they're cutting you a check, so that process can be pretty long. We want to shorten that process because we realize that's time, which equals money so but that's you know when you, it's an interesting thing you know price is it's not always about the cheapest price, but that's one of the main goals that's the purpose of gear focus is to help people get more money for the gear that they no longer need to afford the gear they do need.
0: That, that's a, I mean, I, I, am, I applaud you for taking on not only a challenging marketplace, because like we talked about, there's some players, pretty big players in the market. Um, I like a challenge like that. I like coming in as maybe the number two or the number three or whatever it may be and doing something different in the marketplace. And, and it, number one, the first step toward having a distinct brand position and effective brand position is coming up with something that is unique. Uh, but then secondly is actually carrying that unique brand position effectively into a marketing message in a way that that people can easily understand it and gravitate toward it, grab a hold of it, be drawn to it. And this is going to be a big challenge for you. And so again, I applaud you for taking that on. Uh, I'm curious and excited um, to see what you're going to do with this. But I have to add a little caveat here just to give some context to the conversation we're going to get into. Um, and Matt is not here to do a, a commercial for gear focused today. That is not the uh, the, the major, major goal here. We're going to actually kind of tap into your business experience because this isn't your first go in entrepreneurship and, and helping run a company. Um, you've had the opportunity in the last few years in particular to be able to take a company and turn it around um, and make it successful. And so we're going to get to a, a, the primary topic here in just a few minutes about how to turn a failing business around and, uh, so we've got more exciting conversation to come in that realm, but let me, let me get to the next question here, which has to do with your experience as an entrepreneur and somebody who is involved in, and in companies, starting companies or turning companies around. What's one of the most important pieces of advice that you would give to a fellow entrepreneur or one of the biggest lessons that you've learned, uh, as a business owner,
1: besides like coffee,
0: <laughs> lots of it, <laughs>
1: <laughs> an espresso, Yep. Uh, just had before this podcast, so if I start speaking really fast, you know why. Advice: I'm mean, I'll, I'll give you a quote okay. that my father uh, gave to me many years ago, and it was: "Luck is when preparation meets opportunity, and if you really understand that, you'll understand what business is all about because it is research, it's planning, it's understanding your market, it's writing." everything down. I think that that alone, if someone could apply that, that every thought, every idea, everything that you need to do, if you have a discussion, if you you and Nathan and I are on a call and you say something new, I'm writing it down. But don't rely on your memory because you don't know which ideas are going to be needed later on.
0: So luck is when Preparation meets opportunity. So when you talk about preparation, you're talking about soaking in every, any and every idea that, that has some sort of value because you never know how you might be able to apply that later on? Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. You have to be prepared for when those opportunities arise. So you know, one of the things I learned many years ago is having a great sales portfolio, OK, And what I mean by that is back in the day, I used to do family business used to be tchotchkes, right? T-shirts, giveaways, things like that. My father comes from a commercial printing industry and you go on a sales call and they're like, OK, what can you provide us? Well, most people come with some notes, maybe a quick little brochure or something like that. And in nowadays, right, everybody needs a website, and that needs to be a very clear message of who you are, what you do what sets you apart and how you do it and what your pricing is. And so if you're prepared with that information, when you go into a sales call or a sales meeting, that makes your life so much easier because most people don't have that. Most people don't have a great website. That's very concise and has simple messages and straightforward information.
0: People don't, what's our attention span about five, seven seconds. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah if that pretty- sometimes, but we're talking about website, which is a loaded topic in and of itself. I'm curious when we're talking about the idea of of collecting as much information as possible for the sake of preparedness is right. is there Besides literally writing something down in a notebook or otherwise, is there is there some way that you like to collect that information so it can be easily referenced later? Because, I mean, I, I understand the significance of writing something, that tangible process, and and, I, and apparently there are studies that, that suggest that somebody can memorize something more effectively by writing it down. The reality so, is I'm taking so much information in, I want to be able to easily search it later, so I personally use something called Evernote. Do you use other tools like that to keep that information? Do you regularly reference that?
1: Absolutely. And I'm glad you said that, Nathan, because that's really important for any entrepreneur or any employee, anybody in business. We use um, and there's thousands of programs out there. People choose what fits best with the way they see things and how it functions. We use ClickUp, which is a task management software Okay, that allows you to has a lot of interaction with like Slack and other programs and Google Drive, Dropbox, all of those things. So and it has an app so no matter where I'm at, if I have an idea, I'm going to create a task for that, and I'm going to immediately set a due date on every single task, even if it's a, just an idea, because I'll get reminded by that automatically.
0: For, for keeping track of things to do, I guess I get that. But I, I'm still thinking about keeping track of the information that we're collecting for use later on. Because, and this is something I've brought up on the podcast multiple times, because I think we're in, many of us are kind of guilty of this in some form or another. It's so easy to take in tons of information right now. But then the question is, how effectively are we actually using that information? How are we ultimately making it actionable? So sure. if we're writing stuff down in notebooks, for example, do you find that you go back and reference that information? What, what makes it most actionable for you? Every day. okay. It's
1: like in school, I was taught that you go to your first day of class and you take your first page of notes, right? You go home and you read those notes. And then the second day of class, you take your second page of notes. You come home and you read the first page and the second page. Now you've read that first page twice and it keeps on going. So I use Google Drive for everything. Everything's extremely organized, probably OCD organized. <laughs> <laughs> with folders for marketing, business, financials, internal, um, advertising, development, whatever that is, production. And I will review that at a hierarchy of okay what am i working on today i'm working on marketing now i see everything at a glance that i have as far as documents
0: got it okay so you you have a and i mean ultimately i guess that's what it comes down to is having a system not everybody's going to look the same the key is that we have a system which makes it easy to access that information and we're then actually doing something about it but that that quote is a great reminder the significance of preparation for the sake of opportunity, being ready for that opportunity that comes up. And uh, it's a good reminder for all of us. So I appreciate you sharing that. I want to keep moving here because we have a lot to cover. Let's talk about time for a second. Talk to me about how you effectively create space for yourself, for the important people in your life, despite being heavily involved in at this point, multiple businesses. What is your technique for time, your, your tips or tricks for workflow?
1: that's a work in progress, I think, for every entrepreneur. And I think that comes from the peaks and valleys of the busyness of an entrepreneur. Obviously, right now, I'm in the process. And maybe when this podcast is released, Gear Focus will already be live. But I'm in the final stretch of development and prepping for that. So I am at the highest peak, maybe ever. So time is very important. And that comes to having a wonderful wife and family that understand the life of an entrepreneur i try to on a regular basis shut the business off when i it's dinner time and at night putting kids down to bed and things like that as well as weekends right so if i am if there's work to do i'm carving out exact time but when i carve out time for the family it's time for the family i shut the phone off and and then find, whether that's for the family or whether that's for myself, whether it's picking up the guitar. And sometimes that's sporadic, Nathan, right? Like you're, in the, you're getting stressed out. Walk away. I pick up that guitar, strum a few chords, do a little jamming. Yeah. That's my release. So while you try to set an exact schedule for that, it, you know, it's a work in progress. It really is. And, I, and I'm still working on that every day.
0: But the significance of setting your phone aside, I mean, it seems like a simplistic idea and maybe most people will be like, oh, well, that's obvious, of course. But it it's a lot, um, it seems these days anyway, easier said than done the idea that you would put your phone aside or turn it off so that you can actually be present and even if it's for a few moments at dinner or putting your kids to bed or the weekend making that effort and showing them their significance by doing that thing i think is also a big deal like i i'm sensitive enough to, to this idea that even if i'm picking up my phone around my girlfriend or my kids like in the evening for example i'll i'll create some or manage their expectations, if you will, give them a heads up and say, Hey, look, I'm really sorry. I'm just going to send this quick note here. And then I'm putting it, you know, I'll put it down or, or, or this type of thing. But just creating some awareness around the fact that I know, I'm picking up the phone in front of them and i'm not going to sit here and have my head tucked away in the phone because in my mind that says that speaks loudly about the the priorities and the significance of of my relationship with them versus my relationship with the business and it's it's something from personal experience that i'm very sensitive to and, and it's it is a work in progress for myself as well but that's one of the things that i've tried to do is to create awareness and manage expectations and make sure ultimately they understand their significance, uh, despite my business. And um, I I love that you're prioritizing that. So it's a good reminder, again, for for all of us. Talk to me about a business or self-help book uh, or a podcast, maybe even, that you've read or listened to that's made a really big impact on you in the last few years.
1: Sure. I'm going to steal that idea, by the way, that self-awareness. That's really good before we go on to that next topic, because... Usually it's my wife being my self-aware. <laughs> <laughs> so she'll say to the kids sometimes, Daddy's sending a work email, you know, it's not time to play on our phones during dinner. But uh, that's a great point. Books. Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill is probably mm. one of the first yeah. books I read, which it's, it's such a fantastic book for so many reasons. And one, without giving it away, the real kind of gold that's in that book is it goes back to that saying is that preparation, right? If you really want to be successful in business, you got to be ready for it. You have to be ready for that. And one of the big parts of that book, and it sounds like you've read that.
0: I haven't personally yet. It's, it's something that it's a book that I've heard of, but I haven't personally read it No.
1: Okay. So I suggest it. And one of the things that makes you do is write down what your goals are. And read those every day. Hmm. Wake up and when you go to bed. Yeah. And those aren't just I want to be a millionaire, right? Right. I wanna I want my business to bring in, you know, one point five million dollars (laughs) tomorrow, right? You can write those things down, but the key is what are you giving back for that? Hmm. So in exchange for that, I'm going to provide the best possible service that i can for my clients the most personal touch whatever those things that you're you know that apply to your business and i did that for the failing business that i turned around that i still have that sheet that i wrote down it's a scanned handwritten pdf from 10 years ago and i read that religiously and you get to a point to where you don't have to read it every day after about six months it's just you're just thinking those things when you get it. So you could post it to the mirror in the bathroom or wherever. But having those goals, it, you know, that was one of the biggest nuggets of information as well as being ready. Because was I really ready 10 years ago? Where was my personal life? Where was my focus? Was it, you know, hanging out with friends on Friday and Saturday night or playing music like I used to? There was different priorities and you have to set your priorities because being an entrepreneur, there is a lot of give. There's a lot of give. There's very little take initially, but there's a lot of give.
0: Yeah, but the significance of goals, and again, it, it sounds it may even sound to some like a kind of a frou frou thing that you know. Oh, we just we write this thing down and we say it out loud and we look at it every morning and and. If I just think it, it's going to happen. But it's not just simply the idea of thinking it. Um, It it is specificity, and I think you were kind of alluding to that, Matt. But it is also creating a mindset around which your actions are driven by that goal or that set of goals. The idea that you're constantly aware of the thing that you're ultimately striving for in a very proactive manner ultimately will help drive your behavior, correct?
1: Absolutely. You have to to get to the big goals. You got to have the small goals. And those are the daily and to the minute being productive.
0: Yeah. And as we, we've talked about in the podcast many times, that, that productivity uh, or the most, I guess, effective productivity, the efficiency comes from being aware of what it is you're actually trying to accomplish. And and, and we refer to it here on the podcast as a big picture view, uh, something that I learned from Julie Morgenstern in her book, Time Management from the Inside Out. But I, I really like this idea that you have these overarching set of goals that drive what you do. And so you can kind of filter everything that you do through those goals. And so it's really important to clearly establish those. And that is a conversation or multiple conversations for another, another time. But again, I appreciate the the reminder and also the reference to, to Think Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. We'll link to that in the show notes. And by the way, show notes, bokehpodcast.com, B-O-K-E-H, podcast.com. For those of you listening in, take advantage of that as a resource because we link to the various uh, what websites or resources, social media, et cetera, that we talk about in the podcast. So take advantage of those. The talking points from today's conversation will be there as well. If you use some some podcast apps that actually have those podcast notes or the show notes in the app itself, you can check those out there as well. But let's let's get to, speaking of our conversation, the primary point of conversation for today, and that has to do with turning a failing business around. And this is a, it's a very real a real conversation, to say the least, a real concern, I guess, potentially for some that may be listening in, and it may be something that we run into as an entrepreneur down the road. What happens if there's a downturn in the numbers? We're not getting what we want or even need out of the business. And Matt, you've you've had some experience in this realm. We'll get into that here in just a second. But very simply, a business takes a turn for the worse sometimes. It, it loses clients' revenue, viability in some form or another, From your experience, wondering if you can share with our listeners three of the biggest reasons why this even happens to a company, or maybe put another way, what behaviors entrepreneurs should avoid so they don't have to see this downturn in their business?
1: Great question. Complacency, not watching the competition and staying up to date. Okay. And I would say, you know, constantly looking at the ROI and finding out what's making money and
0: what isn't. Okay. So let's let's break these down. And and by the way, I like the specificity and the brevity there of those three points. Let's take them one by one. Complacency. Uh, Maybe this is kind of a rhetorical question, but what exactly do you mean by complacency? How does that relate to running a business?
1: Sure. So you get stuck, right? My my, it was a family business. My father owned a commercial printing company for 40 years and that kind of switched over. And then it, like I had mentioned before, it was the giveaways and promotional products, tchotchkes as you will. And there was a complacency. So, you know, my family was used to doing things a certain way, but uh. time, times had changed. Yeah. and And it's also complacency can mean a lot of things, Nathan, right? Like Complacency, like your business is doing okay. I'm making decent money and I'm just going to keep doing things the way they are. But your competition isn't. Right. Your competition's going, what's the latest and greatest? How do I improve that? What other services and products and whatnot? How can I improve my services and products uh, for my customers and the processes? And so you just can't be complacent. You, you can never settle for where your company is. You always have to be as an entrepreneur. Might be able to do that a little bit more as an employee, but not as an entrepreneur or a business owner.
0: Yeah, you're right, though. It's it's easy to get comfortable. And I remember this, and I think I've mentioned this maybe multiple times now on the podcast, but there was an experience that I had, which was very eye-opening. And And this has been uh, probably 10 years ago, maybe a bit more, 12 years ago, something like that. But the, the turn in the industry, the shift in the industry to digital photography was happening. And, and at the time, as a wedding photographer, I had made the switch or was making the switch from a film over to digital and been working with a local lab. And that particular lab owner, very simply put, and kind of make a long story short, was Kind of bitter in an odd way, bitter about the change and the shift in the industry, and the fact that photographers were going to these online solutions, web based solutions for uh, printing and I guess hosting, image hosting ultimately. And Uh I would go into the shop to, to place an order, to pick something up, and I'd hear him consistently complaining. About The shift in the industry and how things had changed. And all the while, of course, he's losing the opportunity to be able to create shift and change in his own business in order to accommodate the shift in the industry. And in order to be able to continue to serve whether it was a local client or expand that beyond his local client base. Uh, and continue to maintain a viable business. And he ultimately had to shut his business down. And that, again, is the kind of the long story short. But while we're sitting around complaining about change in the industry, the reality, as you pointed out, is that, that the industry is going to change regardless, number one. And, and those who are willing to, to kind of shift and flow with that change are the ones who are going to likely do well uh, or certainly better than we are. And unless we are willing to shift into change, unless we keep that open mind, we're going to run into a pretty tough spot. So complacency, this is something we've got to avoid. No questions asked. Times do change. They will continue to change, especially the way that technology is moving. That's really important. Let's get to the second point, though. Awareness of our competition. And, and maybe this plays into the idea of complacency, too. I mean, we, we have to be aware of what's going on around us, correct?
1: Absolutely. Where's that attention, hmm. right? Where is the attention right now? It's on social media. It's on four apps on your phone. There's so much information out there, (laughs) like usable information, right? Like gear focus. Like I see the problem and I see people complaining about that problem on social media. So this information is out there. It's for the taking. And it's just the time that you put in watching it.
0: Yeah, so instead of, first of all, instead of simply kind of mindlessly scrolling through Instagram or Facebook, doing so with a purpose of creating some awareness around what the brands, your so-called competition are doing, is is that kind of what you're alluding to?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, you have to be following where your industry is, right? I mean, if you're a photographer, you're following photography groups and you're following photography blogs and websites and things like that, finding out what's the latest and greatest. And if you're a wedding photographer, right, you're finding out what tools there are for a wedding photographer out there and seeing where those pain points are because they're in the comments.
0: Interesting. Okay. So, they're, awareness they're, around the conversations that are happening, but using that as fuel to either encourage a shift potentially in your business model to accommodate what the market is saying, what they're wanting ultimately.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it kind of goes back to that complacency, right? Because if you're complacent, you're not watching because th- it's like that store that you walked into that you
0: said, but he even saw it. <laughs> he was complaining about it. Yeah. He was just mad and he wasn't, he was too lazy to do anything about it, I guess.
1: Right. There's your, there's our fourth or fifth point. I don't know where we're at right now on this question, but there's the other one is, you know, complaining, you know, stop
0: complaining. Yeah.
1: It really, that's doing you absolutely no good, but wasting time and energy. And it, we're all f- at fault about
0: that. Oh, sure. No question.
1: Especially during stressful times.
0: <laughs> yeah, that is true. Yeah, I'm. I'm it, we're in similar boats right now. I'm in the process of launching a new brand as well. And and the thing that continues to come up, or at least I'm telling myself sometimes out loud, is I need to go with the flow, go with the flow. I mean, you know, we need to, something, a problem comes up, we have to address the problem, make a shift in the way that things are being handled, but ultimately just freaking out, and complaining and getting mad isn 't really going to get anywhere get us anywhere, so we have to we have to be open and aware of what 's going on and make a shift as necessary to be able to move forward and, and continue to improve so we want to obviously avoid complacency and and ultimately we need to be aware of the competition what 's going on around us. Uh, awareness of in our industry in order to make important decisions that will help create a distinct brand, enable us to be able to offer service that's unique. And then you mentioned the significance of ROI or awareness around ROI. Talk to me about what this actually means.
1: Sure. So, you know, I, I've had the benefit of obviously with the family business of, uh, of seeing the, the goods and, and the bads of how a business is run. And one of the good parts that I've learned is how to read a and l I can't tell you how many entrepreneurs and business owners, and we see it, right? You watch Shark Tank. You watch all these investment shows and the Marcus Lonis and all these. Of They don't know their numbers. I, I, I'm still perplexed at this. I think... This is one of my biggest pet peeves with entrepreneurs is that they don't know how to look at their numbers. And a P&L, profit and loss for those who don't understand what a P&L is, profit and loss is looking at those numbers and seeing where the money is and where the money's coming out. So that can shed a lot of light on looking at your ROI. And if you don't really understand how to look at that, whether, no matter what financial software you use, I think QuickBooks is obviously one of the biggest ones out there. And so I actually went through QuickBooks training, okay. not certified, but I took online courses and gosh, no, with the amount of information you could get free information about stuff everywhere. But ROI is looking at that, right? It, if we're talking about a failing business, where am I bleeding? Where can I cut costs? Because the fastest way to make money in your business today is to cut costs. That's the fastest way. That's the first thing from my experience that allowed me to put a stop on the bleeding. Because this company was losing a lot of money. I mean, tens of thousands of dollars a month. And it was because the focus wasn't there. There was no review of the ROI. There was that complacency. Well, this is the process that we use. We, you know, get a quote from this ad agency and we quote them 50,000 t-shirts and then they go to their client and then they come back three weeks later and they say, well, quote me 10, quote me five. And then if you got the order, it was a thousand shirts and you lost, (laughs) you lost money on that opportunity. So right there, that's why I was like, this isn't working this this whole process this business it's not working because where are these people going eventually they're going to the online businesses like you were just talking about that can offer things cheaper and quicker and we couldn't do that because we were manually doing their work for them.
0: But it all goes back to the significance of awareness, like you pointed out. Unless, and, and by the way, for those of you listening in, maybe you're brand new to business, and and those initials P and L don't make any sense to you. We're talking about a profit and loss statement. And if if we don't, if you don't take anything away from this conversation today make sure that you do what Matt has already alluded to, which is to go create a QuickBooks online account. I think it costs something like $40 a month. It's going to be the best $40 a month you'll spend as a business owner. And start entering the numbers, your income and your expenses. And what that will enable you to see is is what, again, Matt was alluding to here, how where that money is going, where it's coming from and then where it's going. And that awareness about the fact that your company is bleeding money in a particular area can come from a report like this enables you to see where those expenses are, what expenses can be cut. But unless you are proactively looking at that information, you're not going to know. And, and just to add a little bit of clarity to this conversation, you know, we're talking here, these three main points, complacency, watching the competition, or a lack of awareness of the competition, and a lack of awareness around ROI. We're talking about the three biggest reasons why this downturn can happen to a company. And these are the the behavioral patterns that we want to avoid. We want to avoid complacency. We want to avoid a lack of awareness of our competition, what's going on in the industry. We want to avoid a lack of awareness around ROI, the numbers that are behind our business. And, And we're going to flip this around and talk about what will enable some of our listeners, potentially, to turn their businesses around, what principles will enable them to do that. But I also want to give context to the conversation, Matt, because you've had the opportunity uh, to develop the kind of awareness that you're sharing, but then you also have turned this company that you're alluding to around as well. Will you share just a bit of the backstory and what you've been able to accomplish?
1: Sure. The company was bleeding. As I said, we did a lot of you know commercial print and, and giveaways and things like that, but we also did some trade show exhibits and signage for events for these agencies, they started asking for it more and more. Oh, can you print a banner? Sure, we can print a banner. And I saw the, this was 10 years ago now, maybe 11. And I sat down with one of my manufacturers and I was like, I got to get this stuff online. Because the process of me sending them examples and pricing via email or even driving it back in the day to their office and seeing the catalogs from the other competitors sitting on their desks where they had all the pricing and images right away. That's immediately when I said, okay, I've got a solution. And the solution is shifting away from what was taking so much time and energy for very little, if not negative ROI with the ones that I explained with, with those ad agencies was to get everything up online so that if they said, Hey, I need a 10 by 10 trade show display. I could be like, boom, one link. Here they are. Here's all of our ten by ten trade show displays with pricing, turnaround times, detailed information, setup times, example photos, everything. You got to remember, you know, eleven years ago, that's big difference in the internet. <laughs> it's eleven years ago than it is today. So I shifted the focus to the trade show exhibits and did a uh, kind of. a a DBA for APG exhibits and the main company agency promo group was running APG exhibits and blood, sweat, and tears got into developing the website and again, looking at the competition and making sure that I was going to be better than the competition from a pricing standpoint, from an information standpoint, from a user experience on the website and the first year I, I do remember our first order. <laughs> when that first order came through, that was an exciting time. But the first year was, you know, a couple hundred thousand bucks, if that, right? Maybe 150, somewhere around there. But the second year was about a little over five times that. And by the third year, we were over a million dollars. And we made the Inc. 5,000, fastest growing companies, privately held companies, wow. the Inc. 5, list. And we made that for three years in a row. Wow. And that came from just a lot of blood sweat and tears but also finding those right people like i was blessed with having really good employees at that time some core employees that were able to shift and apply what they did whether it was accounting or you know production and things like that but i was able to shift a couple of those people over and then hire new people that really knew the trade show industry to really help these these clients find what they were looking for faster Uh, than they currently were. And again, this wasn't where we are now with the internet websites and e-commerce and marketplaces and all that type of stuff. This was kind of on the brink of that, you know, where it was really becoming more and more popular.
0: Well, and and you mentioned the significance of your, that the people around you, and that is, again, a podcast or multiple podcast episodes... (laughs) In and yeah. of itself, for sure. Um, but I, the reason I wanted you to give that context, and, and props to you, by the way, and, and congratulations on that kind of success. I mean, I can only imagine how exhilarating that would be. I've certainly had the opportunity to see success in, in my lifetime as an entrepreneur, but it's, it's one of those things that has taken a longer time. And so to see that in that short timeframe is really quite compelling. And so to that point, when we talked about things that can cause a business to fail, let's go look at the flip side of that conversation. And now that our listeners know why they should even pay attention to what you're saying, um, let's talk about key principles that enabled you, besides the, the, the people, having the right people around you, the key principles that enabled you to turn the company around the way that you did.
1: Okay, key, key principles. Productivity. That's number one on my radar every single day. Like, where can I shave time to accomplish the same end result? So productivity
0: And when we say productivity, just for clarification, I I immediately think about, especially as you described what productivity meant to you, efficiency, uh, because I think a lot of times people think they're doing something, just doing something, being busy, it feels important, it feels significant, but the reality is they may not be doing something that's actually beneficial to the company and certainly not in a relatively short amount of time. So we're talking about efficiency here ultimately, right?
1: Absolutely. And this could kind of go back to that P&L thing where you're diving into where you're losing money. Right. And I was going to say something during that as well, too, is that, you you know, that p and is going to shed a lot of light, but you can keep diving deeper and deeper into that. Yeah. So if I can just share one bit of information about the failing business. And what I found was my parents were looking at the GP, the gross profit. Right. That's before expenses. For those who don't know, you got your GP. Right. And they weren't accounting for the employee's time. So those those really long quoting processes for jobs, right, where the employees are working for three or four weeks before they get a job if we got the job, that wasn't accounted for. And you have to, whether you're a sole entrepreneur, you have to look at where you're spending your time. That's part of that P&L, and that's part of the productivity. You have to be very self-aware of how long and that could be just simple things like you know i'm gonna do x let me put a stopwatch on and see how long this takes me. i used to have employees do that by the way just from order entry something as simple as that which i could shed a little bit more light on that because that was a huge huge part of turning the business around and, and allowing it to grow so fast is that productivity is, is looking at each task that you do and separating those things and figuring out how much time did it take me for that job and how much did I make? And then how much do I make an hour? Or how, does, how much does that employee make an hour? It, sometimes it's as simple as that, right? If you have a company, you have an employee, they're doing, they're doing production, as I call it, right? They're managing that project. You know, where's, where's my profit on that? Okay, and then how many hours did the employee spend on that? in times of by their hourly rate or their salary or whatever it is, now what's your profit? Is it $0.10? Yeah. <laughs> if it's $0.10, cents, you've got a serious problem in your business because you don't even want that work. I don't want that work. Right. That's why I said goodbye-bye to the Haimadana agencies that were having us do their work for them right? I think we've all seen those. If you're in the creative industry, you've seen the, there was a YouTube video. It was fantastic. It was a guy walked into a coffee shop and was like, yeah, I'll take a uh, a large coffee and uh, on spec. <laughs> Did you ever see that one? No, I didn't. So he said, I'll take that large coffee on spec. And the person looked at him and was like, what do you mean on spec? And he was like, well, if the coffee's good, I'll buy it. Uh... And that was the agency world, right? They mm. were like, well, quote me this, give me a rendering, let me know how that's going to look, give me a sample, printed sample, and if we like it, we'll buy it. But every minute is time in business, so you're spending all this time doing this, and it's fine if you're breaking into a new client. Like, if we talk about your main audience and you know our main audience of photographers and videographers in, in this, you know, is, a, is proof. And I'm just going to sidetrack if that's okay for one second. As a photographer and a videographer is kind of a, you know, I run a business with that. I have other videographers and photographers. We did a music shoot last Friday, paid. But I did one before that about two months ago for free. A, because I love music. B, because I love the band. And I did one and the paid one came from that. So if you're new in the industry, sometimes you've got to roll your sleeves up and show people what you could do and build your portfolio. But once you're established, that's where we were, right? They were just taking advantage of us. They're like, oh, well, Agency Promo Group will do that for us. <laughs> I don't need to do that internally. They'll do all the research, send us all the you know presentations and pricing and all this stuff. And then if we like it, we'll buy it. And that's where we were losing the money. So you really have to look at that and dive into are you wasting your time in certain areas? Where's your strongest niche? Where's your passion lie? Because if you if you don't love what you do, you can't pull your put your whole heart in it and put the time in.
0: This is yeah, that, that's certainly an element of it. But I, I'd want to go back to the original point that you made, which is just the simple idea of productivity or efficiency. I mean, the thing that comes to mind, and it may seem convenient here, but it's is editing, and. The amount of time that I personally spent as a wedding photographer uh, before I started my own editing company, uh, partially for the sake of saving myself time, the amount of time that I spent, the amount of time that other photographers spend just on editing a wedding, 12, 16, 20 hours, it's, it's amazing when you start to do the math. On each of those weddings, the amount of time that's spent on editing and multiplying that out times 20, 30, 40 weddings a year, and then you've got portrait sessions on top of that, the amount of time that photographers are spending behind the computer, they're not accounting for that as business owners. They're not looking at the time cost. And this does actually play a role in the value of your business. And this is not to even mention that the physical and emotional toll that spending that much time on, on your just editing, not to mention all the other things, can take on your business. But if you want to actually be a profitable company, you have to figure for for time cost. And so that's why productivity matters. And, and I'm glad that you specified earlier, Matt, whether it's a sole proprietor or. or um, you know a corporation of, of uh, a different kind that has multiple employees or partnership or otherwise you have to figure for time costs that is really important so we're going to start with productivity this is one of the things and paying attention to it one of the things that's enabled you to uh, that enabled you to turn the company around what's the second principle or second idea
1: Marketing and this goes back to where is the attention right so ten years ago it was all about Google right Google AdWords and social media wasn't a big big part of paid advertisement and marketing today it's social media it's it's going back to what i said it's those you know three four apps on your phone you know the facebook the instagram the twitter those and even pinterest as well too for a visual company you know we've actually found great success with that that's where the attention is that's where you have to be you have to be where the attention is so years ago i had to find a good paid Google AdWords agency to manage my ads because a I I didn't know anything about managing Google ads. So I would be wasting money. I mean, there's so many companies wasting money trying to do it themselves and then a good SEO company. And that's still true. That hasn't changed organic SEO. So that's people finding you on just keyword searches. So for people who don't really know much about SEO and paid advertising, you know, SEO comes into play with a lot of things such as blog writing and you know content. We finally made the switch that it's quality versus quantity. It used to be quantity when I first launched APG Exhibits was how much you had. Now it's the quality of that that you know content marketing. So that was staying aware of how the not just the trade show industry was changing, but the marketing and SEO industry was changing. And so, you know, finding I was lucky enough, but I went through the ringer, lots of really rough phone calls with agencies that weren't performing and switching to another one and switching to another one and switching to another one, and then gaining enough knowledge to where the wool couldn't be pulled over my eyes, as the saying goes, right? So I knew enough to where I wasn't going to be taken advantage of and what was wrong, and what was right. And, you know, so that marketing and paid advertisement SEO, that that was a huge part of the turnaround. It still is. It really still is.
0: But as you pointed out, it, you do have to be aware of where the attention is. And it's going to vary for different types of companies. And we've we've talked about this in various formats on the podcast. But you know, some businesses, photography businesses, it may be more about word of mouth, especially for the higher end companies. That you're going to be able to get more business in that realm. So, the, the your marketing efforts are going to look differently different than somebody who is after maybe a low to mid end market, where Facebook advertising, for example, or social media marketing may play a bigger role. But I, I like the simplicity and again the specificity of this question. Where is the attention? Awareness of where the attention is going there again, based on what your business model is, your target market, know where the attention is, go there for the sake of marketing is uh, that's, that's huge. It makes such a big difference, not just randomly kind of shotgunning your, your marketing efforts and hoping something that's, you know, something sticks. Uh, right. that's a bit of a nightmarish approach. So I, I like this reminder, take us to the third principle, if you will.
1: So we got productivity, we got marketing, and then it's, it, it really is the team. It really is the team. And I might even shift that to number one. It's finding the right people for the bus. And that's another great book that you should definitely link to. It's called Good to Great. Yes. And if you pick anything up from that book, it is finding the right people for the bus and then finding the right seat. Because you have good employees who have great ethics. And they, as I like to say, they either get it or they don't. Hmm. And when I hire people, they I hire everybody. I don't care if they're you know a six digit employee <laughs> that's been around for thirty years. They're on a trial basis because I've hired those people, and those were some of the worst people I've hired. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> that's a whole nother podcast, um, as you would say. So the people right is. You know, like I have my team in APG Exhibits, a fantastic team, a fantastic crew who really get it. They just get it. And they're working right now while I'm doing this podcast. And they're helping being productive and managing the orders and helping customers. And when you are a sole entrepreneur, so turning your company around so let's say it might be a listener that is just a sole photographer, right? And freelance photographer. They might want to take a look at hiring somebody else to do the things they're not good at so that they can focus on the things they are good at. Because you had said, Nathan, too, it might not be, you know, where's that focus? It might be word of mouth. If they're not putting their best foot forward with the content, and if they're a wedding photographer or filmmaker or whatnot, if they're not producing great content to represent themselves where their expertise lies, that word of mouth is not going to happen.
0: But I like the metaphor of the right seat. I mean, you talked about people bringing people on the bus. So you got to bring the right people on. And this is, by the way, for those of you who are listening in, you're like, "Oh, I don't have a team. It's just me. This is 100% applicable to even a sole proprietor. Because ultimately, if you're running a business intelligently, you're going to delegate in some form or fashion. So You're bringing the right so-called right people on the bus or right companies on the bus if you're delegating to a third-party company like Photographer's Edit or to an album company or to an accounting firm or otherwise. But understanding the right seats, too, that the right roles for the right people. And this includes you as the owner of the business, understanding where your strengths lie, where your time is best spent, and how much of it is spent in that particular area taking the right seat. I I like that. I guess you could call that a metaphor, that that metaphor there as a picture for the significance of this idea of being in the right place. And uh, I think that's really important for all of us to consider. This has been something important for me to consider too, because as much as I I, I believe in the significance of our ability to be able to learn as individuals and to grow and to grow into roles potentially, the reality is at the end of the day, we all have certain tendencies or strengths and playing to those makes it a lot easier.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, because you're loving what you're doing.
0: Yeah, oh, that's a great point too. Okay, so the significance of productivity, the significance of marketing, understanding where the attention's at and going there, uh, the significance of the team, having the right people in the right seats. Uh, what is the last principle?
1: You know, this was a tough one. You know, I, I think everything really comes back, Nathan, to that productivity, that marketing, and that team. Because I think if we go... <laughs> If I go into four, I might go into 10. <laughs>
0: okay, fair enough.
1: Uh, you know, I think those, and I really want to simplify it for the listeners too, with actionable results, because I listen to podcasts all the time and I love Photographer's Edit. You know, since I found you and we've connected and become friends, I you know, I love what you're doing, really high quality. And I, I think that the listeners need to have simple, actionable results. So, you know, take a look at that productivity, break that down, start looking at things differently. You know, look at maybe that's the fourth one. Look at things differently. To try to step outside that forest. It's really hard. Yeah, that's really. that's really hard to step out the forest. It's hard for me to talk about these things that I've been doing for twenty five years. Right? It's like, oh, Matt. You know, you successful entrepreneur. You turn this business around. Like, how'd you do it? One step at a time. Right? One bite at a time. <laughs> One bite at a time, just constantly learning, constantly improving, constantly striving for being better. You know, I, I don't know about you. I don't know what time you get up. I'm a morning person. I'm up at four or 5am every day. Yeah. Every day. I'm, I'm online working and messaging my employees three to four hours before they even log on in the day, because you know why that comes back to competition if if I know my competition's getting up at seven, I'm getting up at five.
0: Yeah, maybe that'll be our fourth point, right? We got productivity, marketing, and team. Um, maybe number four is you just got to put the work in. <laughs> you got to be yeah. willing to go the extra mile sometimes. And and you, you pointed out to the significance of the kind of the ebb and flow of the amount of work that we have to put into a business, or the amount of work that we have to put into the the, the new brand that we're launching. That is a reality um, that I'm kind of learning to accept. Uh, I started Photographer's Edit uh, back in 2008, I guess we officially launched. And uh, my goal was to create a company that would run itself. And and fortunately, because I understood the basic principles that were important to creating a brand like that, I was able to, within the span of about three years or so, three to four years, able to work as little as four hours a week. Um, and this was also thanks to something that you pointed out, this, that this great team that I had around me. And yet, the reality is if I would put a little bit more time and effort uh, into the brand at that point, we'd be in a whole different place right now, too, uh, despite the wonderful success that we've had. We could have gone even further. The, the importance of putting the time in when it's necessary to take it to the next level, I think it's something that can't be let go of. We can't go to these extremes and um understanding that we have to put the time the effort and the energy in especially if we want to take it next level if we want to step beyond the competition i think that is a, a great reminder uh, i'm i'm constantly uh, kind of Im- impressed by and inspired by i uh, have been by by uh, Gary Vaynerchuk um and yep. his work ethic and and to be clear and and even frank i don't i don't care to live his lifestyle the idea of working you know 60 80 hours a week and and missing out on time with family as a result, uh, just for this end goal of you know being able to say that you you did it, and you know buying the New York Jets. That's the thing that he talks about. He's got this end goal. I, I don't. That would be that would be an unfortunate uh, end to my life if that was my accomplishment. and In the process, I missed out on relationships with the significant people in my life. And to each his own. I realize, but. For me personally, that doesn't make sense. So I'm going to put the effort in, but I also don't want to make it a regular thing where I'm working crazy hours and I'm missing out on time and relationships. But despite that realization for myself, I think- the understand, Well, yeah, our health too, for sure. But understanding that, that we do have to put the work in and sometimes maybe a bit more than others, I think is a great reminder. And it's a good way to kind of close our conversation out today. But I really appreciate you making time despite your business, Matt, and as you're launching your focus to, to make time to share with our listeners. And maybe just one more time, you can share with our listeners where they can find you online. Um, and in fact, I don't think we actually specified your website earlier. So share the website, social media, how they can follow what you're going to be doing.
1: Sure. So, you know, at the time that we're recording this, we're finalizing the launch, but I think possibly by the time people are listening to this and, you know, people are going to come to podcast, we'll be live. So it's just gear focus, G E A R focus.com. And you can search for us uh, on Facebook and Instagram, and we're going to be doing a lot of gear giveaways. In fact, we just did um, a gear giveaway and announced the winner last Friday. We were doing a camera kit giveaway with a Canon 60 Mark two. Oh, wow. Uh, with a lens and card and battery grip. It was actually a choice of three cameras. So whoever won it was based on which camera they wanted to win. There was a Nikon and a Sony as well too in there, um, but we're going to be doing constant giveaways as well as we're going to be donating one of the biggest things for me with APG exhibits and with gear focus is giving back, right? But not only what am I giving to photographers and videographers yeah. with website where they can buy and sell and earn more for their gear and be monitored by photographers but also giving back as well too so some of the goals that we have for gear focus is giving to schools and charities that might be able to use camera gear to tell their stories so like APG exhibits we donate to the life is good kids foundation every year And we're involved with them. And I'm working on uh, developing partnerships right now with a lot of great foundations that are for kids and children that have come from broken homes, that have uh, medical issues, to just give them some cameras and stuff to, hey, tell your story, right? Have some fun. Create some art. Yeah. so we're in the process of that, but you know, we're going to be live in September. I guarantee that. Yeah. I'm really excited about it. I, I really appreciate this opportunity of doing this podcast and sharing this info with your listeners and really love the, the Boca podcast. And yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Right. It's truly been a privilege, Matt. And um, just one more time, gearfocus.com. for those of you listening and we'll link to this in the show notes at Boca podcast.com, but gearfocus.com, just like it sounds and the uh, Instagram gear focused marketplace. And uh, we will link to these in the show notes. Thanks once again, Matt for making time for the book of podcast.
1: My absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me, Nathan.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the book of podcast. Will you let us know what you thought by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is Nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca podcast is brought to you by Milu, the simplest way for photographers and coordinators to collaborate on shot lists and timelines for weddings, parties, and other amazing events. Visit Milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. Visit photographersedit.com.